Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. I'm Sarah Wheeler, Editor-in-Chief at HW Media, here with the latest episode of the Housing Wire Daily Podcast. On Mondays, my guest is always Housing Wire lead analyst Logan Motoshami, so we can talk about the latest economic news. But before we dive in, here's a brief word from our sponsor. Since 2015, Finance of America Mortgage and their skilled, award-winning mortgage advisors have helped over 450,000 customers closing more than $134 billion in loan volume. Licensed in all 50 states, plus Washington, D.C., Puerto Rico, and the U.S. Virgin Islands, Finance of America Mortgage is backed by best-in-class lending technology and a wide range of innovative mortgage products that can help turn any borrower into a customer for life. Want to join an award-winning team and evaluate your business? Visit www.joinfamtoday.com forward slash housing wire. To learn more, Finance of America Mortgage LLC is licensed nationwide. Equal housing opportunity. NMLS ID number 1771. www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Equal opportunity employer. All right, we are ready. Logan, welcome back to Housing Wire Daily. It is great to be here as always, Sarah. Uh, great to have you. So today we want to jump into a topic that is near and dear to our audience's heart. So we had the Freddie Mac survey come out last week. We're officially over 5% for mortgage rates. Of course, we've been above that um, different shops for different consumers for, for a couple weeks, but now it's sort of official. And you wrote a story for us on, you know, now we've got you know, 5% mortgage rates. What does that mean for the housing market? So I'd love to dive into that. What does that mean for the housing market? Hopefully, it means balance. Uh, as somebody who saw what was going on in 2022 and was not happy about it, uh, inventory, I'd, I'd like to remind all the viewers, listeners, that uh, inventory is still down, negative 15% even this uh, last week, year over year. Every single week has been negative, right? We, we have not gotten any kind of uh, uh, help on the inventory side and coming off of the home price growth that we saw in 2020 and 2021. Oh, no, it, not a positive in my eye. So uh, being part of team higher mortgage rates, what higher mortgage rates can do is create balance. Uh, and I've always talked about how higher mortgage rates need duration. Uh, now that we've had a few weeks uh, uh, with mortgage rates of 5% or rising in that matter, we can start to look at where do we see the impacts uh, in the housing market, especially with the purchase application data. So, you know, one of the things that I'm, I'm going to give you an opportunity to dunk on the housing crash bros. OK, so last week you wrote an article for us about about the housing crash and why, you know, what what to look for if if housing was really crashing, what to look for. And, you know, the reason that you keep writing this, I keep talking about it is because out there, there are many people who are talking about this 5%. Now we're just going to see a housing crash. You know, tell us why that is completely ridiculous. If it is completely ridiculous. Well, the the notion that positive, educated cash flow homeowners will sell their homes at a 35, 45, 55% discount to the market bid just to get out out of sheer panic. Again, panic selling is a marketing gimmick. 
Uh, that's the market again for 2022. Um, we were told that if mortgage rates got to 4%, we'd see a mass panic selling out there from homeowners who are like going to leave their really good financial house uh, and their low mortgage rates just to go rent at a higher cost. Stock traders do this. I always say it's like a lot of middle-aged men, stock traders, who can't hold a relationship for two weeks, and they will literally sell their house to save you know, $300 on rent maybe and hope to wait that home prices come down. That's what stock traders do, or maybe Wall Street analysts, or YouTube crash. But like normal human beings, they don't operate that way. Uh, so what we, what we want to think about uh, is... There are data lines that gives us a heads up on what it what uh, housing data should look like uh, when higher mortgage rates. So purchase application data is really good. Purchase application data is also a little bit of a funky data line uh, to read unless you 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 know how to read it correctly. And over the years, a lot of people take the percentage increases and take it out of context. It's a trend data line set, so you just want to kind of follow the trend. It's been negative year over year since June of 2021, right? So if you didn't do COVID-19 comp adjustments, you, you, would, you would think that housing was crashing last year. Uh, it wasn't. Actually, purchase application data actually got better toward the end of the year, even though it was still negative. Um, but right now, we have enough higher mortgage rates uh, uh, to see what's going on. So let's take a look at the last three weeks. I don't really like to use week-to-week data. Um, but it, it, unless you have a high velocity event, and I consider this a high velocity event. So three weeks ago, purchase application data was up 1%. Two weeks ago on a week to week basis, it was down 3%. This week with 5% much mortgage rates, it, it was up 1%. So right now we don't see the dramatic hit on mortgage demand, but I would say focus on the year over year data more than the week to week. And what's what's happened is uh, I made some COVID-19 adjustments and I like to do four week moving averages. So authentically after the mid part of February, I think we could take the COVID-19 comps off and we start working with it. So the last four weeks, the year over year data, the negative year over year data has actually been getting uh, uh, better. We went from like 12%, 10%. Now uh, this, this last week, purchase application year over year is down 6%. That's actually the lowest of the year. So we don't see like a mass demand hit yet, but I would argue that uh, 2022 authentically will be the first down year in uh, purchase application data, uh, unless rates come back down uh, lower, that we we could see the last time when this happened authentically was in 2014. Uh, 2018, we had 5% mortgage rates. Purchase application data was only down year over year three times. And we're talking like down maybe 1% or 2%. So it wasn't... It wasn't anything big, but that period of time from 2017 toward the end of 2018, mortgage rates are slowly moving, 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 moving. It wasn't like what we saw here. So we're going to need a little bit more duration uh, uh, in the marketplace to see uh, how it impacts it. But again, we are down inventory year over year still every single week. So don't think of housing as like too much money or credit chasing too few goods. We just have too many people looking at too few homes. And this is never a housing boom or, or, or credit boom or demand boom. The issue is inventory cracked in 2020 and it got worse in 2021 and it got really bad in 2022. And this continues the long-term trend that we've seen since 2014. You really need demand weakness in America post 1996, which has been the theme of all my work 
to get inventory to really rise for the existing home sales market. The new home sales market is completely different. That's that that's that's a different planet out there. But the existing home sales market needs uh, a more demand weakness, and we see that now. Uh, it's almost tax day. Actually, it is tax day right now, Monday. And we're still throwing negative year-over-year -year data. This has been a trend here, so we need more demand weakness. And then hopefully, I think, what will occur is that for the first time, we actually have some positive year-over-year -year data on the, on the inventory uh, side. And that just means we're still at all-time lows. But the bleeding, the bleeding has to stop at some point. And I've talked about that earlier. If higher rates don't do it, then we have to do credit controls because we, we have to get off of these low inventory because there's too many people right now looking at too few homes. You know, you, you bring up tax day and that means that we are we are squarely in the middle of spring home buying season. So this is typically leading into, you know, this part and then into summer is is the big selling season. But, you know, what do you think about this this spring home buying season with these? numbers? I, I tell you, if you wanted to time higher mortgage rates for somebody that wants balance, this is it. Uh, because naturally, inventory always increases in the spring of summer. It falls in the in the uh, fall and winter. So now that you got higher supply, uh, the higher mortgage rate should impact the data. Um, could I be wrong? Yes. Uh, if I'm wrong, it's just the sheer size of the people looking for homes and their dual household incomes, or however they purchase, is just is just too much right now. And not even uh, uh, five percent mortgage rates really impacted. We kind of saw that in 2018, but what happened in 2018 was that the rate of growth of pricing cooled and the days on market grew. Uh, people might not like that because they can't sell their products fast enough, but when you're a data analyst, you don't care about that. You just want a sustainable housing market. So I remember people were really bearish in 2018. We had 6 million total home sales. It was just, it was just funny to me. The, the industry itself can be hot and cold, move, move from side to side uh, just on the speed of how things sold. It's too fast right now. I want more days on the market. So hopefully over the next few months that occurs. Because if this doesn't work, you know, the one thing that I was hoping that to balance out the housing market, then we've got to get really creative. So I'm, I'm just hoping that because price growth was so hot in 2020 and 2021, and it broke through my five-year price growth model of 23% cumulative growth, and that what we're seeing is like 15% home price growth trends. Hopefully higher rates just cools the rate of growth of everything down, which is similar to what happened in 2013, 14, and 2018. Nothing abnormal about that. Uh, um, but I, I'm just crossing my fingers and hoping higher rates do their thing. Well, you know, we uh, our sister, one of our sister publications, um, Real Trends, or one, one of our publications, Real Trends, reported last week that you know inflation just by itself is cutting home buyer budgets by about forty thousand dollars. Like what they have, um, if you look over a year over year basis on on all the costs that are going up, um, that's not going to affect some uh, uh, home buyers, but it's definitely going to affect some. It's it's not a it's not a small amount of money and. And so you think, you know, then again, you have the 5%, if you're looking at 5% and over and you're selling, so so how do we get more inventory? People decide to list their houses, but all those people deciding to list, most of them are going to go buy. And so with, you know, with rising rates, yes, that, that this, is the, this is the thing about the, the inventory channels. A seller is typically a natural buyer, okay, unless they're an investor. And an investor selling does not need to acquire another home. So you, you would need a higher distribution seller from the investor side because a, a homeowner selling is going to buy another house. Now, also, 
people that are moving like from coastal cities, uh, everywhere is cheap. Like here in California, the whole country is cheap to us. And like, you know, you know, where we, where people have majorly big single family homes for like eight, nine hundred thousand dollars uh, here in Irvine, California, that's a two bedroom condo. What? So people that people that move uh, have a lot of equity and 5% rates doesn't really impact them as much as it does other people. I think local uh, within in state buying actually matters more, but the people that are moving from expensive areas, uh, it's just not, It's it, the house is in other parts, even in Texas, Texas looks cheap to me. Texas really looks cheap to me. And I'm, I'm thinking, boy, in California, to move to Texas, God, look. And and that's, in a sense, the, the marketplace is working. California never built enough homes. Everywhere is cheap. So people should move if they if they can, if they get the jobs or, or, or it, it, how, how well they're suited their life. And that, in a sense, is also a problem because you can see what happens. When Californians go everywhere, they just boost up the prices. We see that in Boise, Idaho. Uh, as well. So there are some aspects where higher rates don't really impact certain people, but uh, it, it, historically it has. And this is why in the summer of 2020, when I wrote for Housing Wire, a 10-year yield above 1.94% should cool down housing. And again, we're talking about a rate of growth slowdown, more days off market, uh, not this paranoid 60% home price crash or whatever people are talking about lately. Uh, the homeowner is in the best shape ever. And their homes right now is is the best hedge against inflation. Like uh, I think twenty one percent of the country has mortgage rates under three uh, percent. Almost thirty nine percent of the country has mortgage rates between four and five percent, uh, or three to four percent. And then uh, about twenty one percent have uh, four to five percent. And the rest, anybody above five percent, their loans are old. Uh, their their payments isn't isn't an issue. So the majority of stock of homeowners are really good off. So you need they need to have a reason to sell. And uh, typically, again, if they're a seller, they're typically a buyer. Investors, in a sense, it's different. In that sense, they have no shelter tied to that property. Well, I can tell you as someone in Texas who sees a lot of California borrowers, I, I mean, buyers coming into the market, it, it, it's a mixed bag. We, we love them, but also, I mean, it the DFW area has just skyrocketed over the last... No, it's, it, it, it is. It's true. It's true. And you guys you guys have different property taxes over there. Oh, yes, we, we do. <laughs> yeah. So your, your, your property taxes going up is is, is 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 more of an issue here. It's it's not the case. It's just... But still, uh, when I was at the Housing Wire event in Texas, I was like, oh, my... This is... What? I can't even... <laughs> I can't even rent a room, you know, for 250000 You can't buy a room in 250000 You could buy a single-family home here. So it's it's just different. And we see that migration pattern, really, Montana, Idaho, Texas, there's just wherever, wherever uh, um, kind of these high-priced states people move to, they, they bring their home price inflation, their uh, exporting inflationary factors uh, uh, to, to other states. They, they do indeed. Well, let's talk a little bit about that, that macroeconomic picture and the inflation. Um, what do you see happening? You know, give us your next month, next couple of months. Um, what do we think is going to happen? Well, the Russian invasion has really put a new variable into everything. I think a lot of market people were just assuming that uh, before the Russian invasion happened, eventually uh, supply chains will work out. Because we actually see some of the early data lines get softer. 
uh, we're starting to see uh, some of the uh, durable goods items, stuff that people were purchasing a lot uh, uh, during the pandemic, that's starting to fade. That in itself is demand fading. That's the overinvestment that I talk about in the Housing Wire articles, the sixth recession red flag is purchasing of durable goods. So we think that would have naturally helped the rate of growth of inflation to fall. But now it's the Russian invasion is basically a commodity war right now. Uh, and that is that is a variable that we just don't know when it's going to end. Uh, and then on top of that, we have the Shanghai lockdown. Uh, so now you have two high variable factors that impact inflation that have no closure yet. So on top of everything else we were dealing with before, we add these two big things into the equation. So as long as they're there, uh, some of the uh, inflationary pressures stick around. But after that, I think the demand weakness takes over and supply should naturally rise. Uh, and that, that that will be the equilibrium factor uh, out there. But um, we have to deal with the Russian invasion and the Shanghai shutdowns uh, simultaneously. When you say Shanghai shutdowns, from your perspective, is that because, I mean, I know it's a it's a huge hub of commerce and business and um, yeah, they're that? ports, okay. right? So uh, they're not they're not open, right? It's like it's like saying if we shut down Long Beach Port here in California, that'd be a big deal. Uh, um, so uh, it, it's it's been here for for some weeks now. It has a lagging effect, so we'll see more of it later on. But it's just like the last two things uh, you know you needed on top of everything else is you know of course the Russian invasion we we never need, but. That and the Shanghai ports together is, yeah, that's that's an issue. So uh, we have to deal with that, and that's going to keep inflationary pressures up. Uh, but we do see some some weakness in some of the economic data early on that would alleviate some of the inflationary pressures just because weakness in demand creates more supply, and that's how supply and demand works, right? So uh, higher mortgage rates hopefully does that, where we create some balance, and that's uh, the world could use a lot of balance these days. It could. Let me ask you, because you talked about, you know, we, we want to see duration on some of these things to really see if it's making an impact. At what point, what is your checkoff point for like, yes, we have, you know, that these rates have actually made a difference in demand? When when do you expect to be able to? So typically you would, you would like to see at least six to nine months to go through an entire uh, uh, yearly cycle. So uh, we just started. Now, I would say that right now what we've seen is we've seen something in between 2018 and 2013. Like 2013, rates went right away and it impacted demand right away. Right? We saw that impact and we actually almost got up to six months supply. We didn't do it in 20, 2014, but uh, we saw the immediate impact and supply and days on market really grow. So far, we, we're, we're not seeing that yet. It should come. Uh, 2018, we saw the days on market grow, rate of growth of pricing, but it wasn't really dramatic. Uh, it was more dramatic for the new home sales market. Like the new home sales sector gets impacted by rates much more uh, harder than the existing home sales market. So because they don't have a home owner and they have completion data looking the most terrible I've ever seen in my life. So they have all this product sitting there and rates have gone up 2% on the buyer. Uh, so that's the sector that has more velocity. Uh, so right now, I still do think higher rates impact data. It just hasn't happened in a bigger fashion yet. Uh, so we'll, we'll we'll keep an eye on that every single week. I, I think also when you look at 2013, I mean, the jobs data from 2013, a totally different picture than than now. I mean, well, it, it, it's also the demographics are much different. 
Like, like the the reason why I said 20, uh, and this is going back a long time, the reason I said 2014 was the low in the purchase application data is because that, that was the start of the household formation pickup. So millennials started buying in 2013. So every year they aged and you get more and more of them. If you look at purchase application data, it, it, it hit an all-time low adjusting to population in 2014. And it's been working ever since. Doesn't look like anything like we saw from 2002 to 2005, but it's been slowly moving up. That looks perfectly normal to me. Uh, the de demographics back then weren't that good. So you saw a quick, the marginal buyer got hit. So the entire market got hit. And even though new home sales was very low, um, uh, it, it got impacted uh, much harder than the existing home sales market. So even then, even 2014, sales were down, purchase application data was down, home price growth still grew just because the inventory channels never really broke out. So here is much different. We have such a hot pricing market the last two and a half years that something has to just break this uh, and create inventory. So I'm just hoping, cross fingers, mortgage rates do it. <laughs> well, we definitely don't want to go to any other draconian measures that you have been you've been mentioning. Oh yeah, nobody nobody likes credit controls. But I mean, in in, in a sense, the what, what the government did with second homes and investment properties, raising the pricing, that is a form of credit controls. So we're already doing that. We, that was just for a smaller marketplace. Uh, it, it it became effective on April first, which I love. You know, so I just you know I I hope we don't get into the point that we have to start doing that for uh, primary resident buyers. Nobody's going to like that. Uh, or even, you know, contemplating uh, uh, um, some other kind of uh, draconian measure to 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 get inventory to rise. I'll cross that bridge when we get there at the end of the year. But I'm just hoping higher mortgage rates do their thing and we create some kind of balance. Because what happened this year on the inventory side, because we were told inventory is supposed to skyrocket. It's April. No, it's still down year over year, every single week. Okay, well, it's a new week. What are you looking for this week? We've got some data coming out this week. What are you looking for? And you know, what, what reports do you look at and what are you looking for in those reports? So the housing starts data, um, uh, housing production should cool down the rate of growth. Permits were doing really good, but the completion data is just, that's, that's really it. Uh, we really have to just focus on the completion data. It's, it's weird to say that over permits, but we're in, we're in a unique time in history where we can't build homes. You know, I mean, we weren't building homes in a mass amount anyway, and we can't even finish them. So that's the that's the data line. I do think the new home sales sector gets hit to a degree much harder than the existing home sales market. The existing home sales market, that's where it gets interesting, because even before the year started, I talked about we're going to get back down to 5.74 million, just like I did last year. Last year, I said we're going to get down 5.84 million. We're going to have probably a few prints underneath there. We only had one print under 5.84 million last year. Uh, here, even before rates rose, I thought we should get down to 5.74 million, maybe have one or two prints underneath there, and then we we just work off of higher inventory and see how the data goes. So uh, I'm looking at that to see when we finally, if we break under 5.74 million and take it from there, and there I could actually see how much do higher mortgage rates really impact. Because uh, even before rates rose, that's the kind of area I was looking for, that good base to work off of, and uh, we should get a, a better number on that uh, with the existing home sales data. If we had more homes, if we had more inventory, you think we could have with the demand 6.1, 6.2 million? Well, well, the, the range, the range uh, for 2020, 2022 was 6.16 million to uh, 5.74 million. Okay, so that was before rates uh, went up. 
Uh, I don't I don't put much stock into the 6.5 million print we had in January. I think that was just some of the uh, December closing spell into that month. That's why that month was really strong. So, so far, everything looks good. But once the 10-year yield broke over 1.94%, that's a game changer. And that's, again, being consistent with the 2020 premise. Higher mortgage rates, even though it's still historically low, does impact the marginal home buyer. So we take it from there. And that's where I'm looking for is when do we find a base and then how do we work off of that? Because last year we, we we found that base and sales rebounded, but that's when mortgage rates were at 3%. At 5%, it's different. So the supply channel should increase, the rate of growth of pricing should fall, and then we see where uh, the demand is. And then again, <clears throat> my biggest fear is that the 10-year yield starts to come back down later in the year, and then here, we, guess what? All that, whatever supply that was created gets taken up again, and we are starting 2023 back where we were. At 2022, don't want that. We want to get off of these levels, have more stable home price growth. You've talked about the 10-year yield and wanting to see that go higher with duration. So, our, you know, what's the duration? We're we're there. Yeah, we're as long. I mean, the longer it stays up here, to me, the better. Uh, um, but again, if economic data starts to get weak, the world, you know, Europe is basically almost in a recession. China's economic data is weak. Russia's economy is collapsing. The U.S. economic data is still very firm, so uh, the labor market is still very good. We have over 11 million job openings. Jobless claims are the lowest level since 1968. So that's that market is fine. We'll see what we'll see what the inflationary and rates do because, again, the the fifth recession red flag is housing starts falling, uh, uh, permits, new home sales. That typically happens before every recession. It also is a, a component in the leading economic index as well. So. It gets more interesting for people like me because now we have we have we have things that can change the data. So that's what that's what I'm looking for for next week in terms of the reports, housing starts, completions. How's that going? And the uh, existing home sales market, which uh, should should by itself, even without rates, should have got to 5.74 million this year and maybe one or two prints lower. We're in, that, we're in that, that stage of the year right now. Yeah, and also um, checking back with you on your recession red flags. We only have three of six up right now. Is that correct? Three of six up, yeah. And then some of the components, some of the things that are happening with higher rates can facilitate number four and five. Uh, so I'm keeping an eye on that. And and a lot of people, some people are asking me, well, the 10-year yield is rising. The two-year yield isn't as much. Yes, that's actually very normal. After the inverted yield curve, what happens is that the long end of the bond market starts to rise so it takes you out of an inversion and and then you go into a recession actually so uh, if some people are confused about that it's not a very deep inverted yield curve like ours maybe the 10-year yield has risen and the two-year yield is, is is not as much that looks actually perfectly normal if you look back in the history of the last four or five decades god i'm a nerd aren't i <laughs> That's why we have you on, Logan. If you weren't a nerd, what would you be talking about? about that? Uh, but, you know, I know that, you know, y- you want to see a balanced housing market. Of course, that that is better long term. But, you know, for people in this industry, it's rough, right? Like, I mean, the, the volume that you're talking about uh, going so low, that that's rough after the last couple of years that we've had. Yeah, I mean, this is uh, the, any industry that's tied to interest rates. That's that's what happens. Um, so uh, mortgage rates rise. Uh, uh, slows down the market. The refinance market is dead. Mortgage rates fall. The refinance market picks up. So, in a sense, if you're in a, if you're a loan officer, guess what you're doing? You're creating a lot of future supply 
uh, of mortgage mortgage refinancing. And I remember I was still working in 2018, and I had I had all these buyers, and they were like, "Oh my God, more 4.875 is so high." And I said, "Hey, listen, when you buy this house, you'll eventually have a time to refinance if you just follow the multi-decade trend." And literally, they all did. You know, so uh, that's something. You know, we'll we'll see when that occurs. Uh, but again, you need U.S. economic data to really get weak, uh, and you know China and Europe are already weak. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. It's so interesting just because of what's happened with the Russian invasion and now the Shanghai ports. That some of the inflation are, is, has more sticky power, staying power. But there are some early indicators that we do see some weakness, trucking industry stuff, stuff like that, so that could alleviate some of the uh, uh, supply issues. Well, we will uh, keep coming back and talking to you and uh, looking for you to write articles for us. Thank you as always, Logan. Always a pleasure. Yes. And if any of you are in New York on May 15th to the 18th, I will be attending the uh, MBA secondary. We will have an event, Cocktails with Logan, where we'll be talking about- Oh, yes. uh, Yes. We need need to talk about that. Yes. That's going to be on the 16th, that Monday night. It's going to be really fun. Um, And in that, I think I'm going to be interviewing you. And you're also going to be taking some Q&A from the audience. So it is a, an opportunity for people to see you live and in person, which doesn't happen very often. So glad you brought that yes, up. Thank you. <laughs> All right. We'll see you next week. How have the 2022 housing market forecast changed? Or how is the industry navigating the shift to a purchase-driven market? HousingWire's premium content program, HW+, answers questions like these and offers a variety of member-exclusive benefits that are tailored to what you need to stay competitive and agile in today's fast-paced market. Go to housingwire.com forward slash membership to join today. With your HW+, membership, you get access to longer-form digital content, the HousingWire magazine, member-exclusive rates to in-person events like HousingWire Annual, and more. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.